Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh. Rashad McGinnis. He couldn't be here for the show today because, you know, got to ride first class with some prospects, you know, got to get on American Airlines first class, sip wine, eat peanuts and everything. He's all good to go there. We hope a safe flight for him. All that good stuff. All right. Mason, one of our riders is going to be there at the draft as well, representing the Blue Stable. But other than that, the Colts, it is time for draft week. You know what that means. It's draft time, guys, whether you're listening on you know, whether if it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, whatever the case may be, guys, before you do, before we get going here, we would appreciate it if you dropped a like, a comment, a subscribe to the show, guys. It really helps us out. We would really, really appreciate all the love, guys. We would really appreciate it. You know, as I'm going on, why don't you go ahead and do that now, okay? Anything you have to say about the show, draft prospects, or some hate about a wide receiver, which is ridiculous, you can put that down in the description below. But today is a special show for you. We got draft coverage for you guys. Joining us today with Destin Adams, of course, but he's going to come in last, you know. Uh, Nate Atkins, been on the show before. You all know him from the spaces that he does. Nate Atkins, what's up, my guy? How's it going, man? We're, uh, we're closing in, aren't we? We're almost we're, there. We're, we're closing trying to, in. Trying to, trying to be in our best behavior, try and play nice so we can get through this week and survive and it's crazy because it's like Thursday's probably nothing for the Colts. And then 
who knows, maybe they'll trade into it and make it something. But either way, it still feels like a long work week. Yeah, I think Thursday, I don't know. Thursday is going to be that game six for the Mavericks. So I don't even think I'm going to watch the first round because the Colts don't have a have a pick. Uh, and I highly doubt they're going to trade into it. But uh, it's definitely a, a crazy week. But obviously, we got to get him in here now. Destin Adams, Destin, man. Uh, since we last spoke, of course, nothing big has happened, of course. But other than that, how are you feeling? Yeah, I'm feeling good. I mean, it's a draft week. It feels like this offseason's taken forever. Um, the Colt, it took the Colts what felt like seven years to acquire Matt Ryan. Um, then another three years for them to sign even a free agent um, that was significant. Um, and now it feels like it's been like two years um, since that signing. And now we're here. It's finally the draft time. We have all aged over a decade in that time frame. Um, I, I wanted to highlight, I think this is Nate's first draft covering the Colts. Um, so this will be the first draft that he's going to be able to experience Colts fans' reactions during the draft. It's a it's a doozy, Nate. Oh, I'm sure it is. I mean, the last time I covered the draft, it was uh, well, it was with the Lions, who um, their fan those fans are much more into the draft than I've noticed Colts fans so far. Part part of it is I'm coming in the Colts don't have a first round pick, so I'm not blaming you guys. Right. I'm also pointing out that. When you're a team like the Lions, I mean, you live year-round for the draft because that is the only idea of hope that they had at that time. So it is kind of different to see. You know, it's kind of weird, too. Like, they, the Colts at one point were hoping that they could be a Super Bowl contender, and then two weeks later, it's like time to flip the page to the draft. And uh, I don't know. It seems like people have not been as ready to go and do it yet. But I have a feeling once we get into the actual picks rolling on on Thursday and Friday, uh, the excitement will build a little bit more. Oh, the just, overreactions will come. Yeah, I was about to say, Nate, if if Chris Ballard ends up taking maybe a defensive lineman rather than a wide receiver, dude, you're, we're never going to stop hearing it. We're, we're just not. And Twitter, some, Twitter's going to be a scary place. It's going to be a Elon scary place. Musk, whether Elon owns it or not, Twitter's going to be a scary I, place. That, that's I still don't $44 billion out. Social hey, media. Hey. Okay. Anyways, anyways, the the draft is here, guys. Okay, and I just wanted to warn Nate. You know, Colts fans can go crazy. Hell, we even had a reaction to the Dio pick last year because we weren't expecting that. We expected pass rusher, of course, with Quiddy Pay in the second round. That one, re- I wouldn't say reared its ugly head, but it caught some of us by surprise. I will admit that. So, other than that, guys, I'm gonna pass it to Destin. He's got some questions for the show. We're gonna talk draft. Obviously, we put that tweet out there today. He's got the question. So, Destin, take the floor. All right. We, we put out a tweet earlier today that this episode is going to be completely fan-driven. Your questions are going to be all the topics that we discuss. Um, so we're just going to keep going down, um, and we're going to see as many as we can get into. But I want to thank anybody and everybody that submitted a question. Um, if we weren't able to get to yours this time, we're going to do more of these in the future. So keep submitting questions, and we'll get them on here, I promise. Um, but we're going to go here to the first question from at Nick. Um, Shomish, um, S-C-H-O-M-I-S-C-H. What do you think the likelihood is the Colts try to trade down from 42? I think it's pretty likely. You know, I'm not entirely Let's say we put a percent to it. Let's, let's, uh, okay, Nick I, would, I would say 90%. I would say 90%. 90. I would say 90% okay. because, because if you've watched them, I mean, when, whether if it's Chris Ballard, Morocco Brown, Ed Dodds, 
they talk about the second round. You can trade up, you can trade down, you can do all sorts of things, and there's so much value in the second round where if they trade back and gain more picks, they still feel really good about who they can get if they traded 10 spots back, eight spots back, five spots back. And you would think, especially considering your biggest need, there's plenty of depth in that in this draft where if you do dra- trade back 10 spots, you still feel really good about who's going to be there. So I would say it's a high, high likely, high percentage. I'm going 90 because Chris has openly admitted especially on this with the with the next pick series that we're going to look to get more and obviously that's going to be the prime position to do that in 42. I'm going to go a little different there. I'm going to put a lot lower maybe I'm going to say maybe 45% because I think he's always open to a trade down for you know all the reasons that, that you kind of laid out just the idea that especially when you're at a secure front office like Chris Ballard feels like he is here. You can take advantage of the more desperate teams that are trying to move up and get something they need to try and win right now, especially if you charge future value. And I think if they can get picks next year, that's a better reason to do it because next year is when they're going to start to look at quarterbacks and you need uh, draft capital to really position yourself to do that. But you got to remember this, their first pick is 42 overall. And they moved up five spots in the second round that trade with commanders. And I don't think they did that with the plan of just moving right back down. I think they realized that this draft is especially unique in the fact that from uh, players ranks, let's say 20 to 45, they feel like they're pretty similar in that range. But if you drop too far below that, then all of a sudden you take yourself out of what would be that second tier of the draft, which is still sort of your your home run hitting ability. So some of the guys that I've centered in that I think they can take uh, at 42, they're almost all wide receivers. I think they present a lot more upside and immediate impact than if they drop back too far. So if they trade down, I think it's either going to be for next year's value or uh, just a slight trade down. But I have a hard time picturing uh, many situations where they're going to be able to do that because I just don't see teams jumping for quarterbacks this year. I just don't think that 42 pick is in a spot that's going to be uh, the most advantageous for other teams to jump up. So I don't think they'll be just uh, shopping it around. Yeah, if you would have asked me this a week ago, I probably would have been leaning in the 70% range. Um, today, I mean, I've heard a lot. The Colts just feel that there's going to be multiple guys at 42 um, that they value at that pick. So if I had to pick right now, I'd probably say 35% chance they trade back. Um, I just think they value guys at that point. I think they're going to end up taking one. Um, So I'm going to say 35%. I love the trade back route. I've said that. I've fought for it all offseason. I just think the opportunity to pick three times on day two by chance, if you move back, get an extra third from one of these later teams that maybe got a cop pick third even. Um, Or maybe the Chiefs, who have two thirds and 12 picks total, and they have no reason to draft 12 guys. Like that's a type of team that you could look to trade down with. And if a good enough offer came in, I still think Ballard would do it, but I just think there's going to be good enough players at 42 where they're not going to end up moving down. Um, so I'll stick there. Um, next one is going to be a little bit more of a conversation. Twitter. Um, we've seen a little bit of debate on these two players. Um, this one comes from at Doug Colts, um, Doug Rogers, Pickens or Watson? And then it has the googly eye emoji, and that emoji is very important in Twitter world, so we have to share that. Um, So Pickens or Watson? Um, So I feel like I should go first because I know I'm going to be against P. 
people here. Um, I'm I'm gonna go George Pickens. Um, I I just I don't think it's close personally. Um, but it's it ha- it's not as much so as that I'm super low on Watson as I'm just very high on Pickens. Um, I think Pickens is a guy who has that high floor with a high ceiling. Um, people have thrown around that AJ Green comp for a while. Um, and I think he just meets that. I think he offers you a lot. I think he could duel as a possible X receiver at times when Pittman might need a breather. But I also think he can play the Z type receiver. Um, I think he's very versatile at the size, at the speed. I think he showed a lot in college, even after the injury, um, tore his ACL, missed most of last season, comes back at the end, um, isn't able to produce much, but then goes through the um, draft process this year and looks like the injuries not bother him anymore. Heck of an athlete, heck of size. Um, I think he produces day one, and that's the reason I'm kind of driven away from Watson is I just see a lot of rawness there high ceiling for sure I just don't know if his ceiling is that much higher than a Pickens um, where I think his floor is significantly lower Um, I see a guy who had drop issues in college was that was against smaller talent and still struggled to produce now um, that North Dakota State offense is a very run heavy offense um, so that's going to limit him of course but then there's the situation where I really only see on tape where he runs four to five routes total. Um, and he probably only runs three of those in a sense of majority. Um, and that worries me going into the next level that his route tree is not very extensive. I think Watson's a very good project and I just don't know if Indy's the right place for him personally. So the, 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 this is my thing because I'll take both of them. I mean, I'm not going to talk one down to talk the other one. up. That's not how I see it. I mean, in the, This is the draft. We're not talking about guys who are going to produce day one. And that's not, well, I would like to think that's not how Chris Ballard is operating. I'm going to take this guy because he can produce day one. But our overall trajectory or our evaluation over 10 years has this other guy as better. I don't think that's how that operates. That's just my opinion. And that's how I'm operating because I see Christian Watson being the better wide receiver over 10 years. In when they hit their prime, and obviously it matters what system you go to, the quarterback you get, whatever the case may be. If Pickens goes in, who's a bad? If he goes in with Sam Darnold, and uh, Christian Watson goes with Trevor Lawrence, or possibly Zach Wilson, who can make a second year jump, think I think we wouldn't be surprised. Christian Watson would have the better year, but I think Pickens is still a high ceiling player. But I think what Watson can do for an offense, sorry, guys, they just moved here. Uh, what Watson can do for an offense makes his ceiling higher. And Destin is right. You know, his route tree is limited. You know, I don't think there's anybody from North Dakota State that are getting NFL jobs. I, I, I don't think there's any of those. And that's for a reason. So I, I'm not going to say that, you know, it's not close. I'm not going to say that at all. But for Watson, if he came here, I'd be equally as happy as as if Pickens came here because you're also going to get developed by one of the greatest wide receivers of this game. The drop issues, Reggie Wayne, some of the best hands we've ever seen. We we don't think that that he's going to give tips to Watson that he was given tips on, how he became a better catcher of the football. Now, with wide receivers, sometimes it is – you either have hands or sometimes you don't, but that can be developed. The route tree can be developed. Same thing 
with Paris Campbell. What did he do at, at Ohio State other than just catch crossers and go take off? It's sort of the same thing, but just so much of a higher ceiling. Me personally, because the question is Pickens or Watson, oh my gosh, I would probably say Watson because of who I think he can be over 10 years. Yeah, I would take Watson. And I think they both have high ceilings. Um, they both just are tremendous athletes, both at least 6'3", both run sub 4'5", um, with great broad jump skills. But I don't agree that George Pickens has a high floor at all. In fact, I think he has one of the lowest floors in the entire draft. Because you're talking about a guy who caught five passes last year, who played with an ACL tear, who really for two years has been in and out with injuries. And it's not his fault. And and I don't know if those will linger, but the bigger issue to me is I haven't seen any development out of him over two years. Now, he came on the scene huge as a freshman at Georgia. and 700 some yards, true freshman in the SEC as a five-star recruit, and that was great. But when I watch him, and again, we're having to nitpick these very small samples because he wasn't out there in the field much, but his routes are more raw to me than Christian Watson's were. Um, he, he's a guy that, that can work down the field. Obviously, he's great in these contested catch situations, but I see really lack of detail when he runs just very basic intermediate routes, hitches, settling into zones. It's just, it's just not there right now. And some of that's lack of chemistry with the quarterback he hasn't worked with, but it doesn't also seem to be his focus either. And it's a guy who has his own concentration drops. And so it's just kind of hard to read there. And you hear whispers out there. There's a lot of questions about his maturity and his, his work ethic and where he's at. And now I, I wonder about that because there are moments where on film he looks like a dog out there and the way he run blocks is impressive. But there are plays, routes, when it doesn't seem like the ball's coming his way that he's just kind of going through the motions. Whereas like Christian Watson, he went to North Dakota State knowing he would never be the focal point of that offense. He was there to kind of play that role and get his moments. And they found creative ways to get him the ball because they don't throw the ball much. They give him the ball in reverses. They made him the kick returner. Um, he set a, a record there for kick return touchdowns uh, in his second year there. He finished with 57 plays of at least 20 yards or more. So I think when you look at a guy, what a guy does with his opportunity, Christian Watson did a lot. Now within that though, you're not going to get a perfectly developed route tree or a guy who's got impeccable hands when he's playing in terrible weather. And a lot of times at North Dakota state, they'd have teams blown out by this second half. So he would only play half a game anyway, missed three games last year with an injury, but it's when he went to the senior bowl and he was just cooking defensive backs time and time again in red zone routes, one-on-one -on -one drills, team settings. That's when I think you could take him out of those settings at North Dakota State and say, this guy's got some real route running savvy. This is not a big, bulky receiver. This is a slender. He's 6'4", but he is, he is one of the quickest off the line that you'll ever see entering the NFL. And so when I saw the way he worked and the way when I got to talk to him, the way he described route running and the things he's doing to try and learn it, that felt like a guy who's more – locked in, who's dialed in. And, and really, when you come to this Colts team right now, it's a number two wide receiver role in a fairly run-heavy offense. This is not built to be a 1,000-yard, come be the X receiver type role. This is a Z receiver, win with speed and open the spacing for a Matt Ryan offense. I think he'd be a great fit in it. And guys who run as fast as he does, who kind of have their head on straight, they tend to have long careers. People think that speed is all about upside. Speed is also about floor. When you look at guys who are not perfect wide receivers, whether it's Ted Ginn or Deshaun Jackson or Darius Hayward Bay, they have long careers because that speed you cannot go out and find other places. So a guy who's 6'4", who runs a 4'3", 6'40", with a top 2% in the history of football in the 10 and 20-yard splits, I'm betting on Christian Watson every day, and I think he could be a superstar in Indianapolis. 
Yeah, I think like John Ross and Marquise Goodwin, those like track stars who still have jobs. I, I didn't even know Marquise Goodwin was still in the NFL, but he, he is. And when it comes to the George Pickens thing, and this is uh, I wanted to touch on it after after Nate spoke about it. You know, the George Pickens and the injuries and the contested catches. A.J. Green, I'm not sure if I get that comparison because my comparison is Kenny Galladay because he doesn't get separation. He gets contested catches. He has jump balls all the time when his quarterback was Matthew Stafford because he doesn't get separation. Now, overall, I think George Pickens can be a better receiver than Kenny Galladay. But right now, A.J. Green is a little too far-fetched because I think people forget how great A.J. Green was in Cincinnati with Andy Dalton. There wasn't It wasn't like Cincinnati today. So I do want to point that out there as well. So, so I mean, that, but A.J. Green at Georgia was incredible. Yes. I yes. mean, that was before that college game really became the way it is in the SEC where they throw the ball around that much. He was a slam dunk top five pick because you had the measurables and the size and the speed and all that. But it's a guy who'd shown it, who developed it with Matthew Stafford there and just stepped right in and was an instant number, you know, at least a number two, quickly a number one off option in Cincinnati. So George Pickens has some, he definitely has some great athletic traits, but I also think we get carried away saying that like, everything's traits with him where compared to Christian Watson, Watson has five more inches on the vertical jump. And my one concern with George Pickens is as good as he is controlling his body and, and getting hands on the ball. He's never jumping up to go get it in those contested situations. He's almost kind of spinning around and catching it by his chest. And again, it's the sec. So I give him credit. It's not like he's not going as good players, but there will be better players in the NFL when it's Denzel Ward, when it's JC Jackson, if that's your style of game, I have a few more concerns about it. I think Kenny Galladay is a good comparison, but I think Kenny Galladay even has a little bit more of a vertical game uh, than what I've seen out of George Pickens. So I just, I I think he's a really good athlete, but I don't think it's to the point of, well, if he stays on the field, he's a guaranteed bull away athlete. I still think Christian Watson's a better athlete on the field. The one thing Pickens has way above Christian Watson is he plays with that meanness, that toughness, that dog mentality. My hope with Christian Watson is if you give him a Reggie Wayne, you can start to pull that out because he's never been in an offense that's tried to pull it out before. So there's a couple things I want to push back on, and then we'll go, we can go to the next question. Um, first of all, I mean, the separation argument from Michael, I don't see that at all, um, mostly because I think Pickens is a much quicker, much more agile um, receiver than a Kenny Galladay. Um, now, I do want to say that the, as crazy as this is going to sound because – Christian Watson was at North Dakota State, there, he probably still had better quarterback play. Um, I mean, George Pickens, mm. for, first of all, Stinson Bennett um, went to work at Canes the day after uh, the national championship. And I understand that was for fun, but that's probably where he's more likely to work after his college career is over. Whoa, whoa. Oh. Hold on. Hold on, I'm Jack. Don't you come, no, hold I'm, on, Jack. Don't come back. Honest. Let, me, let me keep going. Let me keep going here. Oh, Lord. So We're go blasphemous now. You go before Stinson Bennett. You go before Stinson Bennett, who won a national championship. Congratulations. Still is never going to ever touch an NFL roster. Before that, Jake Fromm, who touched an NFL roster, but still sucks. I'm just going to put that out there. Did he have decent college stats underneath and everything like that? Sure. But, I mean, even if Christian Watson got to play very minimally with Trey Lance, even if it's just in practice to get better, that's better than anything George Pickens got. And that is one of the things I want to point out there. And, I mean, 
Georgia in the past couple of years has had to go run heavy because of that. I mean, they've had good running backs coming out of the program. Don't get me wrong. Right. But they've had to go run heavy because those quarterbacks are holding them back. I think Pickens injuries are a concern to note. Um, I just think after watching the draft cycle, I don't see any of the ACL in there still. He's battled other injuries in the past as well. To me, I just think George Pickens is a guy who comes in day one. I think he wins routes multiple different ways with his route, with his athleticism, with um, his hands. And I just trust George Pickens day one over Christian Watson. Um, I understand there's some that's a very fun argument. Um, I really did yeah. um, like a lot of the things Nate said. Um, but I just disagree on the end result, and that's okay. Um, next question, though, uh, we're going to move over. This, this one's uh, kind of moving away from receiver. Um, it comes from at Robbins Lucas, one of our writers, Lucas Robbins um, at the Blue Stable. Um, on a scale of 1 to 10, how panicked would you personally be if Ballard doesn't take a receiver in round two? I would be from 1 to 10. I would be a 1. Like, there's good receivers in round three and four, y'all. They don't have to come in and be Julio Jones, okay? I'm st- I still feel good. Guys, we're talking about rookie quarter or rookie wide receivers. Rookie wide receivers. Like, <laughs> come on, man. I guess, I guess to me the bigger concern about – it's not, not about can you find a good one. I think they need two good ones is the problem. They have one starter right now. So if you wait till round three to get one, then what are you taking at round three and round four and those are your starters? Or are you going to go sign a veteran? Maybe they can come back and get a Jarvis Landry. But right now it's like they they have they have put so much on this roster to be able to go and contend with a team like the Titans and other AFC teams in the playoffs. They don't have it at wide receiver. So I just I I wouldn't put it at a one. I'd put it at least at a five because I think they're at least getting into a dangerous territory where do you are you going to have a good enough total weaponry? Not only that, what happens if Michael Pittman Jr. goes down? Is your third round rookie that's now the X receiver? Maybe depends on who it is. I'd rather get that guy at 42. If we're talking Pickens or Watson, I think they could step into that role conceivably. But if we're talking David Bell or Jalen Tolbert, uh, I don't know if I feel the same way. Oh, well, no, Jalen Tolbert now is a dog now. He's a dog. I, like I, don't, I don't want to compare him to David Bell now. I got to give credit to. I was just throwing a name out there. I like Jalen Tolbert. Yeah. The senior bowl. And it's a totally different style of player, but yeah. it's still the same point. It's a, I think a guy from out of South Alabama who's now going to be your Michael Pittman replacement. Hey, go burn Denzel Ward and win us a playoff game. I'm a little nervous about my, that. My only pushback, and Nate, you've been, you, you've been in this thing. You know, you've been around the actual league a lot longer, closer than we have. So you can correct me if I'm wrong. But right now, I would like to offer this view. We can sit here and panic about, oh my gosh, what if the Colts don't go wide receiver in round two? But that may not be Chris Ballard's biggest worry because even though we would like to say, no, he is not on the roster today, Chris Ballard could probably have the thinking, there's a chance T.Y. Hilton, I sign him next week after the draft. There's a chance I sign him in two weeks. So for guys like us, we would like to say, no, you can't think like that. But guys like in the actual GM chair, they can think like that because he knows what those conversations are like. He knows what the market is looking like for T.Y. He knows that stuff. So I just want to offer that view. Well, that is how Ballard is looking at it. He believes in adding players year round, and that's why he doesn't panic in the draft. But 
I, if, if we're talking about what our panic level is, I, I would look at it a little differently, though, simply because I, what I one thing I do know is they've tried receiver in free agency. It's not like they haven't tried to go sign guys. They couldn't get them because they didn't have a quarterback for the longest time. And then once they had it, they just the market wasn't in their favor. Prices weren't like so many guys were gone by the time that they circled back on that. So I think the past uh, another opportunity when you don't have a first round pick. So now you're talking about the first two rounds they get out of there in this great receiver draft and don't have a receiver. So I think it would be problematic. Again, there if it's a trade back scenario and you add up end up having two day or two third round picks that can both be receivers. I'm a little more open to that, but. I definitely think they should take one in the second round. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely would not lean the one direction. Um, I'd have to see the reasoning um, because let's, if there's a crazy type talent that falls at the tackle position maybe um, or maybe a crazy type player, like one of those top five corners fall. Um, I mean, you can't let great talent pass because of a need, and I understand that. But looking at it in a vacuum, just to answer the question without hindsight, I'd probably be at like a six, and that could lower um, because if one of those great tackles, let's say a Trevor Penning falls into the second round somehow and you get to pair him against next to Quentin Nelson, that's going to bring my six down to like a four or a three. But Sign that's me up hindsight. for that. Sign but me that's up for hindsight, that. obviously. Um, but the fact is, the later you take a receiver first – the more you're expecting out of a free agent, the more you're expecting out of a second rookie you draft. Um, because I like Ashton Doolin. I don't think he needs to be a top three receiver snap count um, come this time next year. And the moral of it is you can't expect Paris Campbell to stay healthy a full year to keep Doolin down on the depth chart. You signed T.Y. Hilton. You can't expect T.Y. Hilton to stay healthy on the depth chart. Those are things that, I mean, let's say Julio Jones is a route they go. Can we really expect Julio Jones to stay healthy right now at that route? I just don't see that. So I feel like you have, you almost have to because of the situation they put themselves in. Take a receiver in round two. But I'm not a GM. Chris Ballard does not panic as much as I would, obviously. Um, But the only reason I could see it make sense is if some crazy talent falls to justify not taking a receiver. Well, the way that I look at this stuff that might be a little different, it's just like the way that I, I think a lot of teams will look at it is that free agency is where you go to fill needs and the draft is where you go to get your long-term foundational talent. So to me, it's less about they need to take a receiver in the second round to fill that hole that they need to fill at wide receiver. To me, it's that's where the talent of the draft is. In the second round, it's at wide receiver. And, oh, they happen to need one. They have all the opportunity in the world for it. They need to add the talent at that spot in the second round. So to me, I just have a hard time, and I've gone through a lot of these simulators, and again, the draft is crazy, so it may throw us a curveball. But I have a hard time right here visualizing a situation where the best player available is not a wide receiver, or at least that it's not close. I, I Again, who knows? Maybe Trevor Penning's that guy. Who knows? Maybe Derek Stingley falls all the way down there for God knows why. Uh, don't, don't see that happening though. So yes, uh, there could always be a curveball, and we can amend it, but in general, if it's just, you know, we had similarly rated players and we didn't take a wide receiver, um, I would scratch my head a little bit. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, next question comes from James at JV three. 
Um, more underrated slash sneaky need, ML, middle linebacker or defensive tackle, which one do you think would be more likely um, to be a surprise possible day two pick? Um, so personally, I'm going to go defensive tackle um, just because I've heard um, that they do have interest adding speed um, to the interior. Um, I would still be shocked if either of them were a day two pick, second or third round. Um, but I definitely think, especially because we know how successful Ballard's been on day three, finding productive linebackers um, that can come in and fill needs. And the linebacker spots that they need to fill are special teamer and depth roles. Um, so I think the linebacker for sure should be day three. So if I had to choose between the two, I think interior defensive line um, would be more likely. So, Destin, you remember we talked about this. I sent you a mock draft, uh, and the player that fell to 42 was DeMarvin Leal from Texas A&M. I took him immediately. I took him. I did look at the wide receiver board. Christian Watson was gone. Pickens was gone. Um, so I felt I'm sure good. if that ta- type of talent falls, yeah. Um, and that goes back to the last question. If those corners fall, if tackles fall, if – one of those interior defensive line studs fall. It's because a run on receiver goes. Yeah. I think because the pick for Leal for me was easy because Ballard has specifically said you need eight, you need a rotation of guys. And can you imagine a rotation of DeForest Buckner, Grover Stewart, Dio Dangbo, and DeMarvin Leal? I easily sign up for that. Yannick Ngakwe, Quiddy Pay, Nate. Come on, man. Come on. Tell me if DeMarvin Leal was at 42, you'd take him as well. Come on. Come on. Well, like Dustin said, that's going to be my out, is that that would happen only because all the receivers are out. Yeah. So, yeah, in that situation, I would. And I'll be honest, I don't, I don't see any way they take a linebacker on day two. I just don't see that. So I got to go with defensive tackle because there at least is a lane there if they were to get this you know, real, real juice at defensive tackle position. There are snaps to be had. When Grover Stewart comes off the field, there's more of a long-term route there too. Um, still, yeah, both of those would definitely be surprises, though. That they're definitely day three routes for sure, though. All right, moving down the list here um, with the next pick. Um, the new episode came out today. Um, one of my favorite parts on Twitter when those episodes drop are uh, some of these questions come in of people really trying to figure out who they're talking about. Um, which we'll never actually know, but this is a fun one. So in the most recent with the next pick, um, and this is coming from at Colts guy, five Oh five. This is his name is Jake. He's one of our writers at the blue stable as well. In the most recent with the next pick, they mentioned a player who was a freak going on to say they haven't seen a player that size and that good, which players in your opinion might fit this description. Um, he Gordon also went on, went on to mention some names that jump out to me, Watson at receiver, Nick Cross at safety, Jelani Woods at tight end. I'm saying Jordan Davis. I'm saying Jordan Davis. So wait, the quote was, you've never seen a player that big be that good? So the quote was that size and that good. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Davis is, if you had to pick one guy in the whole draft, seems to one, be the one that jumps out there. I mean, he ran – well, like a four, seven, eight at 340 pounds. Um, so, but he's obviously not in their range. So, but that's what we don't know is if it was some guy who, who was off the board. So. Hey, what if, what if they were talking about David Fellelli? 
That's right. The six eight line. I mean, <laughs> if the quote was just, we've never seen a guy that size and it just stopped. <laughs> maybe i would go that route so i'm gonna go a little bit of a well, different route actually i had a different one for you okay go ahead go ahead uh tariq woolen ah, uh, oh, cornerback so six four the fastest and most explosive cornerback in the entire draft that and, and you go back in time it's hard to find a comp like that now that that good is the interesting thing is like what are you determining on good because his tape doesn't show that he's never shown that on a football field yet um, but if you're talking about his actual, you know, running these drills and um, testing and all of that, yeah, he's, that guy's kind of mind-blowing. Um, so a guy that I went was also a corner. Um, I went Zion McCollum from Sam Houston State, 6'2", um, 6'3", corner, very long, um, also just very explosive. I believe he had the best broad jump of any corner um, at the combine of top 340 among the corners at the combine. And whenever I watch Zion McCollum on the outside, just seeing how big and long he is, like that's just what I've always found myself saying was you just don't see a guy that big and long on the outside usually move like that. Um, and so like, just cause of how I've always seen him play, that has been the direction I've gone, but the funny thing about with the next pick and going back even to hard knocks is ba- they can just find quotes on anything and use it, even if it's not even in comparison. Um, Ballard could have been watching a sixth grader in one of his kids' uh, football programs tape um, and just joking with his friends. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know if it has anything to do with this draft class. Um, but if I had to guess – Actually, I think Christian Watson's probably the name that's coming out of a lot because it's in that pick range of what they could do at receiver, um, that size. That, but the problem is, again, I just don't think that good on tape is going to be what has come back for a lot of the guys that we're going to see at 42. Well, keep in mind, though, with Watson, that uh, the entire Colts co- or scouting staff was in Mobile, and that's kind of when he really turned heads. I mean, I, he was a guy. He was on radars coming into that. But that's when everyone started moving him up into that second round conversation. So they saw him in person there, and you never know. But we know you don't agree, Destin. <laughs> I'm not saying he's not impressive. Um, it's just, <laughs> do I think he will come in day one and produce as a Colt? I just don't. Um, but that doesn't mean I'd be walking around my house upset if the Colts pick Christian Watson. That's not where I'm at. But uh, moving on down the questions here, this one comes from NOS at NSOBH21. Um, this is actually our newest added Blue Stable staff member. Um, our newest senior editor, NOS, um, sending us a question. But what implications, if any, does signing an offensive tackle like Dennis Kelly, um, Dennis Kelly coming in on a visit with the Colts today, have on drafting an offensive tackle? I think it's just it probably takes you out of tackle on the draft. Now, of course, that's never a given with Chris Ballard. He probably would like to add more offensive linemen, but you would probably think interior. If you brought in Dennis Kelly, you're probably thinking interior. You were already thinking interior offensive linemen. Um, so, yeah, that's that's where I think that that lies. Uh, it's interesting timing. Like they're, I think they're getting started on the visit, but I doubt they would actually sign him until they see how the draft goes, because you just, like we just discussed, you never know what tackle might fall. Um, if they end up signing him and he would be the swing tackle, which should be a good indication that Matt Pryor is going to be the left tackle. 
which is currently what it looks like. Uh, but but one, what it would do is one, one idea of I've always thrown out there is I think they should sign Dwayne Brown to be the left tackle. If they go ahead and sign Kelly, I, I think it's a good indication they're probably not doing that. So um, he, he would be a swing tackle, and um, that would just set them up to give that prior a chance at, at left tackle and see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, I think if they sign a guy like Dennis Kelly, um, it just kind of makes sense to pass on tackle early at least. Um, and there, there's multiple guys that are interior tackle combos that you're going to find late day two, early day three that could still be in position um, with the interior guys that left this offseason. So I would never say it would take them out of the market. It would just make it to where my shock value of them taking a tackle on day two would be tremendously higher. Um, than if they don't sign Dennis Kelly um, is how I would put it Um, going down the list here. How many defensive players do the Colts select in this class over under two and a half? I would say just slightly under, I think it's probably like two. So the first question is, do you believe they stay at six picks? No, in that no, situation, they, they probably end up like with 10, honestly. 10. Oh my gosh, they back, man. Trade they back. Seven picks right now, seven picks right now. I oh, apologize. yeah, I was about to say what, uh, but yeah, yeah. six so, or seven. Yeah, I'm gonna say over because I think they'll end up making like eight picks, so it'll probably be like a five three split in the end. But I don't know though. You, I mean, I, I did a mock draft where I gave him a kicker, so you can end up throwing it out of wow. whack. Wow. Nate is joining the – did the Cincinnati Bengals start a trend? Did they start start a trend? for Who was the kicker that you took, Nate? Uh, the guy out of Texas. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Any player from Texas, Dicker, I'm Dicker the away. kicker? Dicker the kicker? I am yeah, staying Dicker. away. You, you simply drafted him off name, off nickname, right? Hey, we would have we would have a kicker comp battle from Hot Rod and Dicker the Kicker. That is that, that, that is night. NFL Network worthy. We need to get the TV crew out there and just tell them about that whole thing. Sam Ellinger is the quarterback of the future, so I figure reunite him with his. Kicker. All right, oh, Jesus, all right, all right, oh, Jesus. Yeah, right, move on, right, move on. All right, all right. That we're so getting crazy. I'm I'm gonna say over, um, mostly because I view them. Chris Ballard, we've joked about this in the past. Chris Ballard will draft a linebacker. If he doesn't draft a linebacker, I will send police to Chris Ballard's residence just to make sure that he's okay um, because I won't believe that he made the pick if a linebacker is not drafted um, by the Colts. Secondly, I see them drafting at least one DB in this class um, in in an area where I think there's good day three safeties and corners. And I just can't imagine them not drafting at least one defensive lineman um, when we have just so many spots still available on that for battles at camp. Um, so I'm saying at least three, and I think they end up with eight or nine picks. Um, so I'm going to take the over um, and at least three. I wouldn't be shocked if it's closer to 50, 50% offense defense um, because Chris Ballard never cares what Twitter says. Um, and all of us are saying offensive heavy. Um, but that doesn't mean Chris Ballard's going to go offensive heavy. Um, he's going to find a way to have nine picks and take five defensive players just to give Twitter the middle finger. Um, is my give me more defense, man? But I really want a corner out of this class. I would really like a corner. Yeah, I'd be shocked if they don't take a corner. I and mean, that's to me, that's a big reason why you signed Stephon Gilmore. 
as you kind of get the pipelines rolling. And also, if they're going to transition to Gus Bradley's defense, which is more bump and run, they need length there, and they don't really have anything in the pipelines that represents length. Nate, trade up for sauce. Yeah, that sounds realistic. You only have yeah. to get to, like, number three. So Yeah, just, as, lo- as long as he doesn't go to Houston, just keep him out of the AFC South. Yeah, my keep fa- him out of the AFC my South. Favorite, fa- my favorite player in this draft. Let's just keep him out. Keep him away from AFC Jacksonville. South. Next question here comes from Daryl Ingram. Uh, what position makes Colts Nation rage the most if Ballard picks them? Um, so it doesn't say specifically, but I'm going to say it pick 42 um, because, I mean, any position could get drafted at any point. Um, so what position would make us the most mad if picked at 42? And let's not be the guys that try to say kicker or punter at 42 um, and the obvious stuff. So anything else? So me personally, I'm going to say quarterback. I'll say quarterback. If he took Desmond Ritter or Sam Howell, I'm starting to believe Matt Carroll won't even touch the second round. Uh, hell, Desmond Ritter might not even touch the second round either. But if there was like Carson Strong, it basically a quarterback because Colts fans have now, like me personally, I think it should still be on the table. If you feel strongly about your guy, take him. That's still the most important position in football. Um, but I do see Colts getting so crazy if they took a quarterback because, oh, my gosh, we have real needs. We have Matt Ryan. Why didn't you go tackle? Why didn't you go tight end? Why didn't you go wide receiver? I mean, they would uh, – the pitchforks would be coming to West 56 if they took a quarterback. Well, scenario I'm thinking about is if they trade into the end of the first and take a quarterback like the Packers did with Jordan Love. <laughs> fifth year. Fifth year. Fifth year. Fifth year option. There you go. That like if you just watch them do that, and then they announce that they're drafting Sam Howell and he's not going to play for two years, and then they get bounced because they don't have any receivers in the playoffs, it would feel just like the Green Bay Packers. So, Sam uh, Howell, Sam Howell. Let's just I, stop saying his name. I do not want to be the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, so I, I, I think quarterback would set people off pretty badly, unless by chance there's some way that quarterback is Malik Willis, and you can explain that he really needs time, and it's at least a chance at a superstar player. But if it's some quarterback that just feels like a dude in this class, which is how Sam Howell has always felt to me, I can imagine that could not going over too well. It I wouldn't go over well either with Matt Ryan. I just, I just wouldn't be mad if they took a guy they felt strongly about. I know there's some media guys out there in Indy that say Chris Ballard is scared to draft a quarterback. But if he just took one, Ritter, Howell, Strong, whatever the case, throw a name out there, if he took one in the second round, I'd be happy because you did your due diligence. You said this guy can be the guy because you're drafting him in the second round. It's not Jacob Eason in the fourth. You're drafting a guy. Didn't you just say quarterback was the spot you'd be the most mad if they drafted? No, I'd say that the fan base would be the most mad. Okay, okay. Yeah, the fan base would be the most – I would be happy with it, me personally. So, I don't know if I can use the word happy. So, I mean, I'm a big Matt Corral guy. I think he has superstar potential as well as with Malik Willis personally on him. Um, If he was – the like, so those two guys being there makes it to where I can't say quarterback for me – Personally, if I had to pick any position that I'd be like, what just happened? Um, Tight end, because I just don't think any of those guys I would want to draft in round two. Um, I think there's so many guys that would take in round threes, four, five for tight ends in this class. Um, I wouldn't want to take any of them at 42. And I like Trey McBride a lot. Um, McBride a lot. 
couldn't take him at 42 personally. Um, the other one would be linebacker again, because I just don't see the need first of all. And second of all, we, Bauer just has so much success drafting linebackers. I will agree fan wise. If the Colts took a quarterback, there will be all types of emotion. Um, and people are going to want to burn West 56th street to the ground. Um, so let's just hope it doesn't happen, I guess. Hey, I'll take Chad Newman. I'll take him. Give me more defense. Come on. Give me more. Give me more. Can you imagine if they drafted a running back at 42? Oh, oh my god. I gosh. was gonna say that was my number two. That that's, was my that, number that, two. So that's a so that's a good one, too. And then Ballard um, comes out and he says, you know, I just felt like we, we just want to be a team that runs the ball and you know plays good trip. defense. We don't feel like hey, Nate, three running Nate, back backfield. Nate, triple option their ass. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, hey, the Naeem Hines Hines slot truthers would be probably happy in that moment. They're like, oh, he's he's going. Hines is a slot receiver now. (laughs) I tell you, Ballard thought Hines didn't get the ball enough in this offense. Imagine what he'll feel about the 42nd pick at running back. (laughs) I don't don't think he's taking Jonathan Taylor off the field to give the rookie some run. And then it'll be Frank Reich's fault. Oh, right. Boy, we, don't, we don't have to get into that right now. We don't have to get into that right now. <laughs> Last question here comes from another writer from the Blue Stable. Um, at Bench Sebastian, Sebastian Bench, our UK rep yeah. um, for the Blue Stable. Um, who could be this year's Fisher, a veteran who fills a key need that isn't addressed until post-draft? I don't want anyone to be our Fisher. I don't want anyone to be the Fisher. Oh, let, let's not let's let's take his play out of the picture. Just, oh, okay. just saying a free agent that starts for us post the draft. Uh, Ty, I'll say that I don't think Chris Ballard is going with anyone else in terms of vets and like you Cop said, Destin, about like, answer like, like Destin, what, what other starting jobs are out there? What tight end is going to come in and overtake Mo Ali Cox? What what tackle is going to come in? You know, Ballard isn't spending money on Dwayne Brown. So what tackle is going to come in and overtake Matt Pryor, the Matt Pryor, who is going to prove to be our future left tackle? Who, what, who, who else is there, Destin? Come on, man. You can't hold my feet to the fire for that. I just said it was boring. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying it's boring. I'll give you the same position, but a different player. I'll go Jarvis, oh. I'll go Jarvis Landry. I, I, I know he's had interest here and. In, um, you know, it gets to a point where if maybe I know he wants to stay with the Browns. Uh, he loves that's where his family is. And he loves the idea of playing with Sean Watson. He may get lowballed forever there, or they may just decide that he's too low on the party list. And Colts offer the Colts could have the best offer left out there for him. And he sees a situation where they get a guy in the draft who's the Z receiver. He has a slot only position for him to play with Matt Ryan. Yeah. Imagine, imagine begging wanting to stay in Cleveland of all places. That's crazy. You know where I'm from? Where? <laughs> exactly there. Dude. Oh, wow. my, my, if, if, the Brown, if the Browns weren't there, then I'd give you props, but. Oh, based on them. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Nate, Nate, Nate and LeBron, you know, big, big Cleveland uh, icons. There you go. I'm trying to go A through positions. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to just go through positions here of players that I think could go in and start. I mean, I, I think that <sighs> game changer, Ryan Griffin. There you go. 
I mean, Jarvis Landry is the name that comes out to me as well. Um, because again, if if Ty is back, I mean, he's back. But I, I don't. I love Ty, man. Ring of Honor guy. I wish he would just retire, and I wouldn't have to like fight this because. I just don't see any production coming back by signing T.Y. Hilton. I see production signing Jarvis Landry. Um, so, yeah, if I had to pick a veteran who fills a starting role, it's probably Jarvis Landry. Um, that question would probably be one better to try to break down after the draft's over, looking at what options are available. Because um, there's probably linebackers that could compete with Zaire Franklin on the market right now. There are tight ends that you could make the argument to come in and play a different role of tight end than what Mo Ali Cox and Granson are going to play that are on the market. Um, so it's just – a lot of different options. I'll, I'll say Jarvis Landry, and I'll also make a plea that T.Y. Hilton retires. Oh, my gosh. Man. Other than that, I can't think of anyone else. I mean, you already got Gilmore. The, every defensive starting job is taken well, on the defense. So, offensively. The other one would be Dwayne Brown. You know, it just – it would come down to willingness. But to me, I've always said it was a great fit because Dwayne Brown – is basically the same age as Matt Ryan. And they're two of the only players left in football at that age. And at this stage in his life, I imagine what has to rank fairly high for him is a nice situation where he has a chance to win because playing offensive line at the age of 37 isn't exactly a joyous job anymore. So it's kind of like how the Rams sold Andrew Whitworth at the same age. I'm coming there, playing in a simple more of a simplified left tackle role and trying to win a title with Sean McVay. I think you could sell him on the same idea, give him a two-year deal to play out the same amount of time as Matt Ryan and do your best to win a Super Bowl with him. Block for Jonathan Taylor, work downhill, play next to uh, Quentin Nelson. All those things can get him to sign potentially for less money than, than maybe you think you'd otherwise get him for. Same kind of thing they did with Rodney McLeod, getting him for a lot cheaper than people thought because the situation's nice for a veteran at that stage of his life. So that's what I think they should go do. I don't think they will do that. If the Rams didn't pay no. Joey Noteboom um, as much as they did to replace Whitworth after he retired, um, I, I really felt like Dwayne Brown was going to end up a Ram. It just made a lot of sense after I heard Whitworth's retirement. Um, I just thought that would be where he slid in. Bobby Wagner. Um, Joe, got, Joe got three years, 40 million, right? Some. I mean, something in that ballpark. There's been a lot of free agency deals. It, it was a lot of money. It was a lot of money. So, I mean, that that's what kind of holds it up now is I just don't know if Dwayne – I just felt like the Rams made a lot of sense for him. I If Dwayne Brown was going to be a Colt, I just feel like it would have happened already, I guess is like what I'm at. I think he could definitely come in and start right away. Yeah. I think, I think the Colts truly want to see if Matt Pryor is a starting caliber tackle. I heard that they wanted to sign him to a multi-year deal this offseason and his agent pushed back um, and, it, and it being a one-year deal, um, which I mean – for Pryor's agent that you're doing what you're supposed to do. Um, he knows that if he goes out and plays starting caliber level at tackle, that contract is going to be significantly more. Um, but guys, that is our fan section question here for the draft. The draft is Thursday at 8 PM. We're all super excited to watch. We're all super excited to react. Um, we're probably going to do a spaces after each night of the draft. We'll probably try to get some work in um, after each pick, even to react. Um, maybe you'll see Nate Atkins, Mr. Spaces in one of those who knows. Uh, but 
Really appreciate all the questions being asked. Super pumped for the draft. Let's just all hope it's a receiver so we don't have to see Twitter's reaction. Amen. <laughs> yes, let's go receiver. And now running back, I'm just here to see the world burn. If all they right. take a running back, I you might as well trade Michael Pittman Jr. because you better go triple option at that all point. All I know is I'm if, if we draft a running back, I'll, I'll pass it even past 42. In the top four rounds, if we take a running back, I'm clipping Nate Atkins running back take here wow posting it everywhere hey does nate know a little something we don't Mm. oh prop i mean i'm sure right inside they're considering running back at 42 right inside a breaking news they're exclusive interview with nate atkins of the indy star he just got off the phone with chris ballard right and sending it to ESPN now. There uh, we but go. <laughs> super thankful for Nate coming on, answering fans' questions. Uh, super pumped for the draft. Uh, Nate, Nate where, where are you watching the draft this year? I'll be at the Colts facility. So probably nothing happening on Thursday, but then Friday, Saturday, we'll talk to the scouts and Ballard and Ursay and whoever else shows up. Should be fun. You heard, so you heard it here first. The Colts are trading into the first round via Nate Atkins. Uh, taking a running back. <laughs> Nate, is, is Chris Ballard talking night one? Only if they make a pick. So okay, we'll see. Probably hey, uh, Nate, on Nate, real quick because Destin doesn't want to do it. Rashad doesn't want to do it. But while you're there, can you uh, give me some support and watch the Mavs game for me and, and root for root with me on Thursday night? Yeah, Thursday night, man. Uh, you got you got time. You got time. You got it. I don't know. We'll see. You, you need to improve your uh, your description of Cleveland first, and then maybe I'll come around. <laughs> okay. Hey, they have great bars. They have great bars. I'll say that. I like it. There we go. Well, all right, everybody. Super thankful for Nate again coming on. Um, watch the draft. Please keep your takes to a minimum. Do not overreact. There's three days of the draft, three days to get solid players, and the Colts always find a way to get at least one instant impact rookie. So just wait. Be patient. It's going to be fun. It's finally here. Thank you for all your support. And as always, go Colts. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.